Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. I know. This is a different way of recording. We're not recording over Skype. We're in person. We're going to be talking some USC football. Spring ball started. The basketball season ended. Keely was doing a lot with the basketball (laughs) team. We can talk about that a little bit. But we got got to talk spring football. Of course. We got to get back out there. Uh, But hopefully you guys are going to enjoy the show. Very excited to be alongside Keely Yor. Again, follow her on Twitter at Keely is my name. If you have any questions or comments for the show, we got some questions to get to. You can email us podcast at uscfootball.com or you can go to, uh, or if you want to leave a voicemail, yeah. Well, you can go to our website, uscfootball.com. I was going to say that. True. Uh, Peristylepodcast.com. You can check that out too. But if you want to leave us a voicemail or send us a text, 424 254 9141 is the number. But the main thing, you got an iPhone, you got an iPad, Apple Podcast, follow. It's not subscribe anymore, Keely. Yes. It's follow. Because apparently people thought that subscribing, you had to pay to listen to the podcast. Right. Which is- Marketing error. That, not true. So now follow us on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, any of the podcasting apps. Spotify. Yeah. But at least on Apple Podcasts, that's what they want you to say is follow instead of subscribe. But leave us a five-star rating. That's important. It really helps grow the show. Any kind of review you have, comments, feedback, suggestions, we will definitely read it at the top of the show. And to prove to you that we will, I'm going to have Keely, you do that exactly right now. <laughs> Hello, Ryan. Usually you say hello to me. Hello. I'm, sorry. hello, I'm doing well. Very excited that uh, spring football is back. I think you can tell that we are both very excited, ramped up for this episode. Glad to be back in the studio with you for the first time in over a year. It is nice. For a podcast. So that's fun. I don't have to wait on delay. I can see all the weird faces you're making. It's, it's great. Uh, so we actually have two new reviews. And I think one of them is a bit because he got all of our names wrong. Uh, but it's a five-star podcast or five-star review from Step Brothers, Band of Step Brothers, who said, Excellent podcast. All the Peristyle podcasts are entertaining and informative. Kelly, Ron, Slingshot have terrific chemistry. <laughs> and newbie Craig Trevino has been a nice addition. <laughs> Keep up the great work. So love that little bit right there. Uh, then we got another one, five-star review. That's the best source of USC football news. I believe it got cut off, cut off but he said, uh, Steve Class of 1980. Five stars, great content, and guests sponsored by Trader Joe's. Got to put in a plug for their Highland whiskey. Outstanding. Also, Keely is the best. Would love to introduce her to my son. So, Oh, nice. <laughs> Applications are open, ladies and gentlemen. No, I'm just kidding. Nice. Uh, so you, you've reached out to, to his son at this point? <laughs> no, I have not. No. You have not? Okay. No. You don't think that's a good idea to meet someone through a podcast review? I know. It doesn't seem like the traditional way, I don't yeah, think. That's definitely not traditional, but we're, <laughs> this is a weird time. True. The pandemic stuff going true. on. Not that desperate, Ryan. <laughs> that's true. So we've been in person for the for Tunnel Vision. Yes. But we haven't done a podcast together. We've been mostly doing it remotely. So I know. I, I apologize to all the listeners. I'm just really excited. Like <laughs> we're both very excited. I feel excited. like this is a different show. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, I know. I am. What do I do with my hands? It's we're just coming so, in what hot. are we doing? Like, wait, Keely's right here. Yeah. I can't, you know. 
It's, it's, it's I crazy. can talk over you because I can see you. It's You're perfect. Right. <laughs> She's not waiting yep. for me, putting herself on mute all the time. Yep, like, exactly. We're, we're here. Uh, but it's great to great to see you again, Keely. And you it's too. great to be able to talk some football. You've done an awesome job with uh, all the basketball coverage. Thank Maybe you. unexpected basketball coverage. All the stuff that was going on in March last year, we had nothing. So yeah. we've had so much uh, to talk about. Which is fun. Yeah. And we kept doing our shows, but... Now we've had a lot to actually talk about. Before we jump into some of that stuff, I just want to thank, we mentioned it in one of the uh, reviews there, podcast sponsor Trader Joe's. They have been awesome to us and and like stepped it up during the pandemic too. I don't know if you've gone, it's you know it's a little easier at the grocery store now if you've gone lately, but uh, Trader Joe's from the very beginning, I've always had a good experience. Sometimes you can check out a recipe on their website, go to TraderJoe's.com. I'm a big poached egg guy, but oh. there, there's a little, like, like uh, eggs Benedict, I like a lot. Okay. So there's potato pancakes with asparagus and poached eggs. It's if you go to TraderJoe's.com, it's on the front page of their website. So uh, you know there's some Passover festivities going on. You got the potato pancake thing going on. So they actually have uh, traditional potato pan- latkes, potato pancake, uh, you know, packaged up. But the the poached eggs, you got to make sure you get it right. It's got the the, the yolk's got to be a little runny. But they got these little uh, asparagus spears going through it. Looks really good with the yolks coming out. So and I actually can see it. How exciting! You can see it. Yeah. (laughs) So go to TraderJoe's.com and check it out. It's really ten minutes of prep uh, for I mean uh, and twenty minutes of cooking time. So check it out. And what was the uh, for? You probably don't have it up anymore. The whiskey that he uh, Uh, Highland whiskey. Highland whiskey. Uh, I believe. I I do enjoy a whiskey now. I've mostly buy. Like Pinot Noirs from Trader okay. Joe's. Wide selection at Trader Joe's. Uh, I get those there, so too. Um, all right. Well, yes. again, very we're, excited. We're rolling. We're rolling through. There's a we're lot ro- of energy today. There's a lot of energy. Um, I, it's it's hard when you look back at last March, how different everything is. Shotgun was in Indianapolis covering the Elite Sweet eight. 16 yeah. and Elite 8. Uh, USC obviously got bounced by Gonzaga and... What wasn't wasn't close. So we're gonna get our shotgun back. He's coming back uh, yeah. <laughs> into the full. But you did a lot of instant analysis with him. You did a lot of basketball preview yeah. analysis, all the previews and all those things like that. Um yeah, we're I mean, it, you had to be impressed with the run that uh that Andy Enfield's team made. They didn't look good, obviously, against the Gonzaga. They looked like they were completely out coached. They didn't look you know I mean Gonzaga is a machine. I yeah. mean they are thirty and zero now after defeating USC. It's it's just it kind of reminded me of the Cotton Bowl game where USC made a lot of mistakes in the beginning and then Urban Meyer kind of put it on cruise control afterwards yeah. for the rest of the game. That's kind of what it felt like because Gonzaga was just insane. You know, it was I was talking to Shaka before we uh, filmed the instant analysis and I was like it was just gross how good they were. <laughs> like it was so good it was bad, but it was pretty to see. But yeah, I mean for USC as a whole, it kind of sucks that. Uh, the, se- the season ended with Gonzaga because prior to that, they've just been on a run. They really came together at the right time. And and Chuck and talked about it before the season. We were like, okay, Evan Mobley and a couple of guys. You know, it was transfers and, and, and people we didn't really know how they're going to play together and gel. And Andy Enfield talked about it a lot, but they didn't really get to coach their team until September 1st and like meet some of the transfers face to face. So wow. uh, he said this was the the best team as far as chemistry goes, maturity that he's ever had. And so this is, in my opinion, why I hate college basketball, because I hate one and done. I hate that. Yeah. It's just like they, they got their chemistry at the right time. And yet now you have to kind of rebuild again. So there's a lot of question marks going forward. But this was definitely a historic season for USC, probably the best in 20 years, you know, since that last 2001 Elite Eight team. So uh, just really 
fun watching this team. It was it was crazy, Ryan, seeing happy USC fans. They I were for, happy. I forgot what that was like, to be quite honest with you. So that was at least fun to have my mentions be a little bit more positive. But then uh, spring football started, so then that changed. But oh, my God. Like tweeting about like, hey, Clay Holden said this. And like every response being oh like, why God. is he st- he's still the head coach and blah, blah, blah. I got texts about like during the game. Wait, is Clay Helton coaching the basketball team uh, now? Did yeah. you get any of those? So, okay, so Urban Meyer, like, took his foot off the gas. They just cruised to, what was it, like, 24 to 7 or something. Mark Few did not. Like, they were like, uh, oh, USC cut it to 16. Okay, steal, you know, lay up on the other end. They never took their foot off the gas to, like, they emptied the bench. I mean, if you see a guy who is respected and he has a Fu Manchu, you know that guy is <laughs> is serious. Like, he means business. Because you can't rock that and still be taken seriously, and he's probably going to be a top NBA draft pick. So, yeah, no, it was it was a crazy game to watch, and they're just so good. And and the similarity to USC's 2001 Elite Eight team, I think Gonzaga's going to win the national championship. Right. And, and that's who the 2008 2001 team lost to in the elite eight so yeah yeah yeah. so so i mean i mean for all of the challenges that they face in the covid season with the just weird configuration of the roster of transfers and only four guys returning that's the second time uh second consecutive year that that's happened i thought it was a great run for enfield and i was talking to shotgun on the incident last night about you know could this in hindsight be uh, a pretty monumental season and a turning point where you know not only from a national recognition standpoint, but also just from a fan engagement standpoint, I felt like this season was pretty significant. Um, and it makes you wonder what last year would have been like if COVID hadn't happened and, and ruined that run too. So, I mean, I, I'm curious to see how they rebuild next season, but I think, you know, it kind of just awoken a, a sleepy USC basketball fan base. And I think that's, that's fun to see uh, the fans get engaged. Obviously sad that they couldn't be in the Galen center and, and see Evan Mobley and that team in person, but uh, still still fun to watch this run as, as someone covering the team, so I can only imagine as a USC fan. Yeah, the fans did seem a lot more engaged. There's a lot there there are a bunch of USC basketball fans. I joke that there's not like, people we put up a basketball story and people are like, Why are you doing that? Like there's no point. But it's good. To, there's there's a portion of the fan base that really gets into basketball. So it was nice to give them a little bit of love. And USC got love going into this game. Like there were national pundits that were like USC's length, they can like slow him down. The problem is it looked like Mark Few completely outcoached it, not just talent, but it was like, okay, you're going to play zone. We'll shoot over you, and then we're going to run in and get the rebounds. And then USC never could get a stop because every they got every second or third chance points, especially well, early on. I think Gonzaga's pace just threw them off in the very beginning. They, you could just see it from watching on the broadcast how just it, USC looked like they were frantic trying to figure out how to how to keep up with that pace. And we talk about it a lot with USC's length. Teams just don't know what to do with that. And I feel like that was with Gonzaga. USC just didn't really know what to do with the speed, and they had one day to prepare for a team that was 29 and oh right you know and they had the first practice slot the ncaa they had a night game sunday the ncaa gave them the first practice slot on monday <laughs> like oh that's you know because yeah. the ncaa makes great decisions but <laughs> no sense there yeah, but, yeah. i mean but you look at it's a talented team for gonzaga but also like oh how do you combat the length okay well we're gonna shoot and if we miss we're getting the rebound and yeah. we're gonna get so it got usa out of the zone and they were getting smoked and man-to-man and it was, yeah, it was it just Mark Few and, and Gonzaga was just really good. That was not USC's day. I think, you know, you play them again, it could be closer, but 
It'd be hard to picture USC winning that game. It's kind of a shoulda, coulda, woulda because you can't start slow. You can't make. You can't have the, that many turnovers against a team like Gonzaga. So maybe if you kept it close, maybe USC's zone puts them in fits a little bit, and then you see what happens there. You know, I I don't know, but you can't have that lead. I believe it was like there was a twenty point lead at one point against Gonzaga, and not shoot the ball well. It's just there's that's not the recipe for winning. So yeah, it was like a nineteen. It was like twenty one, and it was like nineteen at half or something. And it, it was not great. <laughs> it was not good. But all right, so you know, I make jokes about the basketball team, but I I like it. But I was never going to put that much effort into it until they showed they showed me something this year. So they Look they actually that. they made like when you're like talking about it preseason and during the season, and then they go like fourteen and sixteen and don't make the tournament. I'm like, this is why we're not talking about this team. This was a year you could talk about the team. I mean, for sure. I mean, I knew the tide was turning when people were calling you out. They were like, is Ryan going to have an apology to the basketball team? <laughs> like, wow. It's not an apology. It's like, hey, it's one of those things. Just prove it to me. Like, whatever people say it about with Clay Hilton. Like, you know, are you going to apologize for your hit Clay Hilton hate if they make the playoff this year? Like, I, it's one of those things where it's just like, hey, you know, that's great. Show me show me something. Like, sure. actually have a great offseason. Get these amazing recruits and make a run. And they did, which yeah. is good. So yeah. props to the basketball team. They ran into a buzzsaw, but you know, no yeah. no shame in uh, making the Elite Eight. And the, the Pac-12 in general and the West Coast in general yeah. had a great run in the tournament. So it should be a fun Final Four. And uh, we'll see. UCLA's still alive, so we'll see what they can... Uh, like, I don't I don't think against Gonzaga they're going to fare well, but... Probably not. Back the pack, I guess? Question mark? A, you know, I don't maybe know. Maybe it's a Baylor-Gonzaga final, which would be... Look, look, look that would be fun. Um, but... You know, to, to have a team like Gonzaga be able to win it all, it's still like, yeah, it's a cool West Coast. It's not North Carolina. It's not Kentucky, yeah. Duke, whatever. So, um, shouts to Spokane. Yeah. Props to uh, Spokane, Washington. Okay. <laughs> Enough basketball. We don't have to talk about that for another year. So that's wow. good. Uh, spring ball. I will say it felt a little blasphemous. I, I don't miss practice, Ryan. You know this. I don't miss practice. And I you was were in there, practice, and you were not. And I was not. It was the world uh, tilted off its, its axis. It was a crazy, crazy happening. It was okay. So let me give you. So just full disclosure, I wasn't able to stay for the full practice. I actually had a vaccine appointment. Got my <laughs> vaccine. <laughs> so, but I got to go to the beginning, and I got. You wanted to see the experience. So for the people that don't know, practice is still closed to the general public, but for the first time. In a year, it was open to the media. Now, we were up on the aquatic center um, for the Olympic pool, you know, the Olympic pool area, and there was like water polo practice going on. We're up there. So we're perched above uh, Howard Jones Field and Brian Kennedy Field on the north side, and there's like little marks on the ground, like six feet apart. So that's where all the media had to go. Um, if you get to campus, and even if you, I mean, I talked to professors, like they've not been on campus for a year. Yep. There's people that just haven't gone. Tim Teslone, who's the sports information director, he's not, he doesn't go to campus unless like he absolutely has to. That's what the directive is. But if you get there, you have to fill out like this online wellness check thing. They give you a, a barcode deal. When you park your car, like you drive onto campus, they scan it, check your temperature. Like it's like a big deal. You get to campus. There's more construction going on, by the way. Like, I, well, I was there for Pro Day yeah. So last week. So that was surreal to be back for the first time in like a year. But there's construction like on the track field. Like, yeah, they're, the re some... they're redoing the track facility. It looks, yeah. it looks pretty. It looks nice, but more construction. But <laughs> University of always, Summer Construction, Summer Ryan. Construction. There's 
walk. So if you haven't been on campus for a while, anyone listening, like now all the sidewalks are one way. There's signs everywhere of where you can't go, where you can't go. Now, unfortunately, when you're trying to walk from the parking structure to the practice field, there's construction blocking the, the sidewalk. So construction trumped COVID. So now you have to go on the, you have to walk on the same side. Uh, that's all kind of surreal. We get there. Usually when they tell you like, oh, practice is at 415, they really started at 345. And if you had to show up early, it's fine. But this was like exact time. And they're like, I, I texted them and they're like, you can start filming at 335. Like we're there. Most of the media is there early. You're kind of waiting outside. You can't hang out where the tunnel is. You used to hang out with the tunnel and as yeah. players came up, because the, they would come up individually or in groups of a couple take pictures, shoot some video. Nope. Can't do that because you don't want to be gathering anywhere. Cause we would all be like huddled in like yeah. around the top of the stairs. Can't do that. So everyone's just sort of hanging out on the road or whatever, like outside the aquatic center. And then it was like three, th like at three 30, we're going to start checking or three twenty-five. We're going to start checking you in. So everyone, you got to get checked in your temperature checked. Um, you know, they write your name, give you a wristband and all that stuff. And you're sort of waiting on the stairwell going up. And then, like at three thirty three, we'll start letting you up to get your spots. Wow! Because you could film specific. at three thirty five. It was very specific, very way more specific than it used to be. Okay. And at three thirty three, they let us up, and then like people taking their spots, and you're sort of like musical chairs, and making sure you get a spot. Chris Trevino was like really close to the the goalposts where the uh, okay. I the heard he is. flinched. Yeah, because there's <laughs> kicks coming at you. Where I was like, oh, we could get a kick. Um, sometimes kicks go over the wall. You don't want to get behind the the goalpost because then there's actually a net that would kind of get in your way. Mm, okay. And they're like, don't show any cameras. Don't show any cameras until like the horn blows. And period one is all we could film. We can watch the whole thing. We can only film one period. How the, far away were they? Okay. In the past, when we could film, usually it was sort of like in front of where the media pen was would be a desert. Yeah. Do people even care about this? I don't know. Gonna, I don't think so, but I can't. I'm going to give you guys an experience of what it was like to go to practices. You can't go yourselves. It's just like what it's been for us. Usually it's a desert around us, and they would be as far away as possible. Now we are on the far north end of Howard Jones Field. On the southern end of Howard Jones Field is Brian Kennedy Field. That's where everybody was. So they were more than 100 yards away. The kickers were Classic. in front of us, and we could film for exactly one period. Now, they don't want you to film like – plays and stuff like that 11 on 11 completely makes sense yeah literally the first period is they're stretching they're running back and forth they're doing some that like that's all the kickers are kicking fascinating i don't even think they were punting it was just mostly kicking and so you got some shots of them you could see a couple people on rehab island where they're like you know running the bike or whatever sure but literally they're more than 100 yards away i have my huge uh, video 80s camera, style camera, 80s yeah. style camera that's not from the 80s, but <laughs> big zoom. So I could feel, I could, there's, there's footage up on the website of what we could do. I thought they would let us do the next couple periods where they're doing like position drills, mm -hmm. like just running through bags, like in their individual groups. drills. Yeah. yeah individual, nothing plays. Like there's no, it's basically just here's the, all the running backs going through, you know, tapping through the bags or whatever. Nope. Everything shut down. They didn't want you even like, they, they felt like there was like, we don't want you showing your phone. So like, don't take notes on your phones. I'm like, okay, well, oh, okay. I didn't bring my notebook. I didn't bring my binoculars. I was total rookie move. Yeah. That's a you problem. I had to borrow, but I couldn't usually could write notes on your phone. Couldn't do that. You never take notes, but okay. I take notes sometimes. <laughs> okay. I was ready for this one. Cause you okay. weren't there. I had to like, step yeah. up. props to Chris Trevino. Cause he took copious notes. I mean, he was amazing. Like check out his ghost notes from the practice. 
Chrissy it, T, killing it, it. It's yeah, it was crushed. So he, he's he's raised the bar for you, Kaylee. So the <laughs> I, I never took notes. <laughs> I mean, I tweet. He actually tweeted too. He had to do that. So yeah, that. it was pretty good. So yeah, and then you know get to watch stuff. Okay, so the vantage point was okay when practice started. Just when we could film wasn't great. Makes sense. Okay, at least we can see practice. Yeah, I will we can see. Not complain until. A while. <laughs> so we can go. And so there's three practices a week. We can go Tuesdays and Saturdays. Mm-hmm. We can't go Thursdays. So, But we do have media availability Monday or Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. Yeah. And the media availability, usually you would get them after practice. Before. And you could like watch practice and then ask a question about what you saw. And you get now you get a media availability in the morning and then oh, you watch 30. practice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which is fine. I mean, this is more. And I, I'm going to give USC props. I you know, we we make some jokes sometimes. The fact that we could watch, it's cool. I think it wouldn't hurt them. And, and, you know, there's TV people there too. And they can't do anything. They film for that one period. Is it? You know, to let take a few pictures, film for the next period or two when they're doing like this position drills. There's no competitive disadvantage, I would say, for something like that. So that would I would like that. But in general, just being able to watch practice and not have to rely on like they put up a a minute and 15 second video of some, I don't know if they put anything, USC put stuff up. So USC has people on the field, yeah, photos, videos and stuff, but usually it's sort of like this quick stuff and it's not really, um, it's not super helpful, but it was, it was interesting to be back. I mean, covering a couple of games was interesting. You got to cover pro day yeah. to see a football practice for the first time. For me, it's been about a year and a half because yeah. I missed spring ball number one yep. Last year. at some USC Trojan event. Like, with Jake Olson. And that was like literally the last day of the world, the world. <laughs> and so I haven't been to a practice since the fall of the you know 2019. Yeah. So it's been a while. Yeah. I mean, to your point, Ryan, I know that USC has been really strict on their COVID-19 protocols and like who's available and who can go on campus. And I know USC actually made a conscious effort to try and include us. And I think it was a little bit one of those, Hey, we're doing this and hoping that they don't get in trouble. So I think that that should be noted that, you know, this was definitely an opportunity for them to be like, hey, it's a pandemic. We can still keep you out. But uh, they're letting us see all of practice, which is uh, nice, at least, because I don't think programs across the country are, are fully doing that. But can I pick your brain a little bit, Ryan? Yeah, Because yeah. I wasn't at practice. Of course. I mean, how did Keaton look? How was his throws? Okay. So I just wasn't there long enough to see, <laughs> unfortunately. Okay. Like, so uh, we're both in the blind here. I've had... Yeah, so we were watching the quarterbacks, and uh, you know, when they, but really the portions I got to go see were more of just like the drill. So Graham Harrell has like a specific series of drills. He has the quarterbacks uh, go through. According uh, to Tristan Vito, he, you know, he looked pretty good out there. I mean, it seemed like he looked pretty good when you filmed him for pro day. There were still some. It was. It throws. came out of his hand a little weird at times, but then. I'm wondering if I'm just staring at it too much, but he seemed like he had a little bit more velocity, a little bit more core strength when I saw him at Pro Day. So I'm curious how that translates. And that's something we got to talk to both uh, Graham Harrell and Keaton Slovis and actually Clay Helton in the morning for the Tuesday media availability. And Keaton Slovis talked a lot about his confidence issues. Um, he said for the first time in his life, he felt like he lost that accuracy that he's gotten of his calling card um, in year two. So he didn't really have much to to really feel confident about. So he's trying to find that. And he, he worked uh, with a quarterback camp uh, or quarterback coaches. I believe it's Tom House's program yeah. in, I believe, Orange County. So And so he worked with them in the offseason. And the thing, too, about Slovis is that he's had such a unique journey 
Like, if you think about it, so the first year he was here, JT Daniels was the starter. You can't be that leadership guy. You're just, hey, I'm QB2, and that's right. big for me coming from Arizona where my high school we went. We thought like, QB4, yeah. and he was QB2. You're like, that's already a Exactly. Upgrade. And yeah. then you, you, go, you get thrown into the game, and then you're playing with house money your freshman year, and then suddenly the word Heisman is associated with your name, Heisman candidate. And then coming to year two, I mean, from the sources I talked to, they maintained that it wasn't really a full injury thing. It was just in his head. You know, he was kind of thrown into the fire year two when he's the starter now. So uh, and then spring camp. OK, he said he wanted to really develop, get back his arm strength and and recover from that Hollywood injury. And then the world ends, you know, right. you don't have a spring camp to really develop. And then all of a sudden, hey, Pac-12 football is back. You're playing. And so you get thrown into a season. So. I mean, this is kind of the first and maybe only spring camp that he's going to have. Um, and so I think he's still trying to make sure he doesn't throw too much and like be on a pitch kind of a little bit. Um, but, I mean, hopefully for USC's sake, this is a time where he can really feel like he's comfortable in his skin and, and has time to uh, work out any kinks that he feels like he has. I felt like from his comments, um, you know, he talked about really not having that arm fatigue or not really worrying about throwing too many passes and that was something that he was doing and working with the, he, you know, has, he's been reluctant to work with quarterback gurus in the past. Yeah. Seemed to be helped. Like, you know, Tom house is a, a legend with mechanics and, you know, making sure that they were working with Graham Harrell, that he wasn't going to be doing anything that's going against what Graham Harrell's teaching him. And a lot of it's more about the plays for Graham Harrell and, you know, the, the technique and stuff for Keaton Slovis. But, and, you know, it's funny. I took a golf lesson the other day. <laughs> on this video and you know, I do some weird stuff at the top of my swing. Like I can hit the ball well, but sometimes you don't, there's this inconsistency thing. And really it was like, he took something, fixed something in my takeaway where like my hips weren't turning. It was more of like your upper body and like just fixing that one thing early in the process sort of fixed a lot of things later on. And it sounded like the same thing with Keen Slovis where a lot of it was, your core, how you're grounded, your footwork. And you get that base set and the action with your arm is going to go along with it. There's some guys that are just like, I think Justin Herbert was like super arm talented if you watched him. And if things aren't copacetic, like with your bait, like there's guys that just can slug the ball. Like you you see Patrick Mahomes, it's like, it doesn't matter where he's facing and stuff. But if you're trying, if you're struggling with confidence and you're throwing a good ball sometimes and you're throwing a duck other times, and we saw that from Silva's last year, getting that base set like actually made a lot of sense to me. So I'm curious to see more of his throws this spring. You know what he ends up looking like. You want him to get some of that magic back from 2019. He yeah. was still effective, right? But some of that was like you know Matt Fink Yolo stuff going on too where the Yolo ball yeah. yeah the Yolo ball Drake London going up and making crazy catches and all that stuff yeah um but i i feel like just from his comments from what Graham Harrell said that you're going to see a more effective uh Keaton Slovis and just that it was super efficient what he was like the most efficient freshman quarterback like in NCAA history or something he can get back anywhere close to that. I, I think it's going to bode well for USC. Yeah, he he did an article with Antonio Morales of The Athletic, and he was talking about how um, even before the Holiday Bowl injury, he felt like his arm was getting fatigued. And so he was just thinking, like, I'm using too much of my arm. And so I think the fact that there, he seems much more aware of, hey, I need to rest my arm. I need to ice my arm. I need to and, – and the fact that, you know, it was so weird in season last year that everyone had a different answer for what was going on. And it feels like everyone just, like, sat down at the end of the season and was like – 
okay, what's happening? What? How do we? How do we address this? How do we do fix this? You think this? that should have happened beforehand when we talked to three different coaches and they all had or two, <laughs> I, a player and two coaches and they all had different answers? You're like I have maybe mentioned I that before. Like, brought that up before the my favorite is the the dry wet ball in arizona <laughs> slick conditions um the ball was too slick it was too but, dry it was dry Everything was wet uh, wait, wait what it was too windy like physics and like, football physics ryan you're like uh, there was no wind okay uh, <laughs> yeah i was there and i was like what yeah so i mean the fact that i feel like and we've talked about this for years but sometimes the the reality piece is a little bit missing with usc or in their answers and it felt like everyone had like kind of come to reality of like okay it didn't look right games kind of were a little haywire because we were a little stretched on offense let's figure out what's up with keaton let's have him work with the quarterbacks coach let's have him address his confidence issues and let's go into this season that's what it sounds like you know and i think that's at least better to face it head on than be like what do you mean it looked fine you know, and that's what we kind of heard at times from Graham Harrell and company. So at least, you know, they're they're aware and they're working on things. And like I said, it, it, I I feel sympathetic for Slovis just because he's had such a unique journey. I mean, like having a pandemic season and all that stuff. So I, I think that now that he'll actually have time to develop and come to his own uh, year three. So yeah. we'll see. So watch, we'll watch him through spring. Uh, Mohassan, the, the Vanderbilt quarterback, looked like he was getting the second team reps. Um, you got two freshmen, Jackson Dart and uh, Miller Moss. So we'll see how they look. A lot of great notes from Chris Trevino. The big thing on the offensive side is play, uh, replacing Elijah Vera Tucker. I talked to Harvey Hyde on Monday. He's like, just bring someone in and work them there. Don't move the whole line around again like they did last year. It looked like from at least the first practice, that's what they did. Andrew Voorhees at left guard, Brett Neal on at center, Liam Jimmins at right guard, and then Jalen McKenzie at right tackle with – Corlin Ford, the he's still a true freshman, uh, working at left tackle. I know it's going to be hard to call these guys different things. These COVID shirts are messing with my brain. COVID shirt. He's a true freshman. I put I, in my article. I put you know like twenty twenty in parentheses because he's a twenty twenty kid, not a twenty twenty one kid. But mm-hmm. he had one start last year, Washington State. Uh, when if you remember that COVID week, the whole offensive line was like couldn't practice or whatever. Yeah, so Washington he started. State. He started at guard, um, but he was getting work at left tackle. So. That'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, I've heard people are high on Cortland Ford. I mean, he was a guy who in the offseason, um, his dad was putting out a lot of videos of him working hard in the offseason. And and we heard from a couple of players, too, like, hey, watch out for Cortland Ford. And usually if you have that, like, offseason mentality and you have a little bit of, of your your peers hyping you up a little bit, that's that means, like, you're doing something that's at least getting noticed. And so that I seem to got, get that vibe from Cortland Ford. And so the fact that he's getting time there at left tackle, at least with the first team, um, we'll see. I mean, sometimes they do things where, hey, this first day, let's see what you look like on film just with the first team and then come back on Thursday and they're with the second team. So we'll see how it progresses over the course of spring camp. But interesting. I'm really interested. And I, I, I don't know if you could tell this from far away, Ryan, but how did people's bodies look just with Robert Steiner and the offseason workouts? I mean, it was tough because we see? were far, it was far away. <laughs> okay. um, but it was there was a different feel for sure, like when they were doing their warm-ups and how that, that, all, that all workout stuff was going. Um, you know, I'm not saying people didn't look bigger cause there was a lot of weightlifting stuff going on in the previous, you know, and it, it just seemed like there was more, I don't know, maybe some trimmer bodies out there. Okay. Um, so, but a little hard cause we're pretty far from yeah. the action, but yeah, just from me. looking at the thing, um, bunch of guys are out, 
defensively, you didn't have like Drake Jackson and stuff out there. Uh, you know, a lot of the linebackers. I mean, that that's the Chris put the starting lineup out there on defense. It's a lot. Some guys you probably haven't heard of, like so Isaac Taylor Stewart and uh, Jaden Williams were starting cornerbacks. You had Max Williams in there who you know played well last year. Kanai Malgo was actually being the rover. Hunter Eccles and and Raymond Scott linebackers. Isaiah Polamau, you know, he's a captain. Chase Williams was a other safety. You had Tuli Tui Pelotu at defensive end. Jacob Lichtenstein was actually playing inside uh, along with Jamar uh, Sakona. And then, so that was kind of like the the group as, as going out with the first team uh, defense. I think you're going to see a lot of different looks from the defense. Uh, you know, Chris was talking about they would move guys around. You You might see, you know, not everyone's in there yet, but I think there's going to be he talks about multiple fronts. I think you're going to see a lot of different fronts depending on what plays called and things like that. So a lot of bodies in there and a lot of guys that can move around, a lot of different pieces. So curious to kind of see how it works out. But having a full spring practice for the defense is going to be the most important thing. Yeah, that's what I'm I'm looking forward to, just to see what Todd Orlando can do with actual time. And I tweeted this out and got some flack for it. Not personally, but just people were just fed up with Heltonisms, I guess. But it just sounded like a lot of from Harold and Helton, they're going to make up for the time lost last spring camp for how much they needed to develop and teach guys. I mean, Helton said that it was a blur trying to get ready for the 2020 spring camp. Or I mean, fall camp or fall season, excuse me. Um and so now Todd Orlando actually gets to like slow down a little bit and be like, hey, this is what I like to do. And you don't have to learn game by game <laughs> my scheme, you know. So I'm just curious to see what it looks like, how it evolves over the spring and and getting new guys involved. But um, I heard there's some COVID protocol things happening. That's why some guys were missing. So uh, seeing how they come back and when they come back, I'm curious about. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're hoping to get, you know, get that all behind us. But that's yeah. probably still going to be a thing. You yes. Know? Yeah. Um, probably not offensive linemen since they, that was a big group. Like I've counted like 18 or 19 offensive linemen out there. Yeah. Um, I mean, cause that's the whole 2020 class that you always bag on. <laughs> there was I bag on them. There was a, a lot of, a lot of offensive linemen uh, out there. So, but lot, I mean, there was good depth. Like that's the one thing you look at the spring depth. Sometimes you'd look at spring football and be like, oh yeah, there's like hardly anyone there for the most part. Everybody's back. Like you had seven guys go to the NFL then we're going to go to the NFL, you know, and, yep. but seniors are back. Like, guy, you know, guys are returning that didn't really need to return. Would you have a Quincy Jaunty or whatever? Yep. Like, you know, Matt Fink left. He, you know, he was one guy that. Eric Kremenhut, question mark. He's back, right? I believe so. I, thought, I think he is. Yeah, I, I thought he was out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but for the most part, guys are back. So there's these extra seniors, like 13, 14, whatever, extra seniors. There's 14 new faces out there with. 10 early enrollees and four transfers. Yeah. Um, this is as deep of a spring team as I've seen in a long time. So it's curious. It'll be interesting because just because they pushed it back, you know, not too many guys are out because of surgeries. It's kind of the usual crew that we know Jude Wolf, Solomon Tuyel Pupu, uh, who am I? Jordan Isefa. Yeah. And Kyle Ford, I believe, is limited. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. He was not. Um, He's doing some individual stuff, but okay. he's not, yeah. But on the whole, you're not having guys who, hey, they got hurt in the bowl game and now they're recovering three months from surgery. You know, right. it, it's this is a healthier bunch, and I think that is a advantage in itself. So, yeah. I mean, guys like Solomon Tula Pupu and Jordan Hodge stuff are like, you could just pick a random day of the year. They're probably going <laughs> to, right? Ryan. No, but sure. they've just, they've been hurt for a while. They sure. Start, but yes. your point is like, yeah, you get hurt in the bowl game. And you missed the beginning of spring football. Well, spring football started a month later. So Yeah, it's not like last year where we saw half of the running backs just in 
jerseys you know it yeah. wasn't like hey it's keenan Kristen and the walk-ons you know so and he's doing track right now i guess so he's, he's got some running in so got some, run. <laughs> some type of running all right well let's uh i know you got some time crunches here let's take a quick break we'll come back and answer some questions but we're talking spring football Woo-hoo. i love it spring ball Woo. back in a minute This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we're back here on the Parastyle Podcast. I had a really long intro. Did you? I didn't mention that. My Your Hello Trojans? It was pretty long. I it's th- kind of like reflective of your energy at the time. It's It was very hyped up. I think I was excited that you were here and I just needed to like... Let people know we're excited, but <laughs> I, then I end up I think telling people everyone. Have picked that up. We are. I tell people. I've done today. When you were, I get a text from Keely like I can come to the office. I'm like, hell yeah, let's do this. No, okay, hold on. You responded, sure. That's all you said. Well, in my mind, I was probably. <laughs> I was like, should I not come into the office? Already? I was probably. I'm sorry if I didn't convey my excitement, but I was like, okay. yes, like let's do this again. See, okay, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> you're vaccinated. The lights at the end of the tunnel, or what's I know. what's the my arm doesn't feel too bad. It's not falling off or anything, so I'm good. Nice, that's good. Yeah. You're not a robot yet? Not a ro- yeah. I don't know. Like yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Little, yeah. I'm just kidding. Don't get vaccinated, people. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. I pulled a Ryan and said something like a dumb joke that might be controversial. It's fine. <laughs> okay. Oh, should we go into questions? Yeah, let's do that. We had a question from our buddy Brett C. from Knoxville, Tennessee. He said, hey, Keely and Ryan, is there any update on who's going to be the new Pac-12 commissioner starting July 1st? Thanks and fight on. Thanks. So uh, John Wilner does a great job of covering this. It looks like the search firm has is doing some vetting. I don't believe there's been any interviews yet, but it sounded like things are moving along. They put uh, something on their website about the search criteria. And in general, it sounds like the anti-Larry Scott. So that's kind of what you want. Like I, I think they're trying to be open to someone that's going to come in and you know redo the business model. The Pac-12 network was mentioned. Um, I f- certainly feel that has to be revamped in some way. The problem is the conference is in just sort of a bad spot. You probably have to renegotiate a lot of TV deals. You might cut years off them. I mean, there's there's a lot that needs to be fixed. But from the description, it sounds pretty good that they're like open to it. They're not going to go, you know, get this really specific. Can- they're not going like here's the guy we think we should hire. They're like literally having this big search and be like, all right. Here's all the problems. Tell me your ideas, you know. So I think they're in the vetting process now. But we 
we could know stuff in the next month or two for sure. I feel like it makes a difference that this is a new crew of presidents for the most part, and they had to kind of endure Scott's tenure. I think they know what not to look for at this point. I'm just curious if that actually goes over well. Yeah, I think they knew the right. I, I mean, the ACC used the same. I forget the turnkey, whatever. I forget what the search yeah. firm is. Um, and, you know, that worked pretty well. There's only two, I think, presidents left that were involved with Larry Scott. And those people were very loyal. And they just, it's one of those things. We see it on our message boards all the time. You make a bad decision. Like you say, I think this five-star recruit sucks. And, or whatever. I think, or if you said, like, Sam Darnold's terrible when he was a recruit. Like, why did they get this kid out of San Clemente? Now, they're going to be adamant about that as because they're message board people for the rest of their lives. And they're going to have to <laughs> tell you why. Well, the reason USC won that Rose Bowl, it wasn't Sam Darnold. It was uh, Deontay Burnett, whatever. Like, they're going to just go to their grave saying sure. their original take. And a lot of these presidents were the same way. They were going to, like, they made this decision to get this guy from the tennis channel. And he was, you know, here, I'll, I got a drop for you. The truth is, we all know Champagne Larry likes to roll large, right? <laughs> That's John Canzano from. Uh, Look at that. Yeah, he's great. Um, he called him Champagne Larry, and uh, it's, it's exactly right. Like, he took limos everywhere, you know, he, the most expensive thing. Like, he spent money like they were the SEC, where the SEC was frugal, and the SEC made crap loads of money, and the Pac-12 didn't. So there's a lot that needs to be yes. changed. Yes, I think everyone who listens to this podcast would be aware of that. It yeah. seems pretty obvious. Uh, we had a question from our buddy Stephen Poway who said, Hi, Keely and Ryan. As I read through Chris Trevino's article on the site about the new early enrollees, there was one number that stood out the most to me. And no, it wasn't a Jersey number. And then in parentheses, he says, really? Apparently, this matters to some folks. Uh, he said, no, the number that caught my eye was Jackson Dart's four interceptions paired up with a Utah prep record of 67 touchdowns. My goodness, what an amazing senior season. He even scampered for over 1,000 yards on over 100 carries. I'm so excited to see this young man suit up in Cardinal and Gold, which brings me to my question. Which early enrollee are you most interested in watching this spring and why thanks for continuing to bring us the best usc football coverage steve in poway thanks steve um so one thing that's going to stand out for jackson dart is he actually got to play football so many dun, guys dun, dun. didn't get to you know yeah. um miller moss you, you feel bad you got two incoming freshmen one of them transferred to you know modern day to try to play and that didn't happen either um i mean jackson dart kind of came on the map his senior year because of his senior year play. Like he, he emerged junior year, but his senior year was just ridiculous. And that's how he got his notoriety. So I thought it was interesting. Uh, Graham Harrell was saying that he couldn't go on any visits, obviously, and he couldn't go to any high school games. So he was like, I'm really excited to get Miller Moss and Jackson Dart on campus to see them throw and in person and be able to work with them. So I think they're excited about that whole thing. I know both Helton and uh, Harrell were excited about the QBs. So, yeah. And that's, for good reason, right? I yeah. mean, you want to see those guys in action. Um, you have an established starter, but you want to see what the future of the program is going to be. Yeah, it is unfortunate. And a guy like Jackson Dart, if he did, if he was in California, he wouldn't be at USC. Like he, you could suggest that, yeah. I mean, there's guys that would blow up their senior years that didn't get a chance to blow up their senior years. And Jackson Dart was one of them because mm -hmm. he played in Utah. There's a lot of dudes in California that just didn't have that opportunity. Um, I mean, for me, I do want to watch the two quarterbacks play. You know, I, I think there's talk about pitch count or whatever for Keaton Slovis. He feels more comfortable. Like they might want to let him throw more. But what is, you know, Mohassan's now on scholarship. 
what do those other quarterbacks look like? I think I'm going to watch that quite a bit. So um, I think that's where I would go. I don't know. Where, where, where are you going for early enrollees? Huh. Um, I, I heard a lot about Michael Jackson. That was yes. a name that kept kept coming up, and I, it sounds like USC's wide receiver depth is a little shaky right now. Yeah, um, I don't know what you saw, Ryan, but uh, so that is going to be interesting. And I think just quarterback play is always interesting, especially younger guys. Um, last time we saw two come in at the same time, I believe it was Ricky Towns and and Sam Darnold. Ricky Town, yeah. <laughs> so uh, TBT to that, but a, that was a weird one because Ricky Town was early enrollee, higher ranked. Yeah, Sam Darnold comes in in the summer. And by fall, Ricky Town gone. So we yeah. f- we were filming. I remember he f- he unfortunately he was a nice kid. Yeah, Long Beach Poly. I think I, uh, I believe. no Ricky Town was. Uh, oh, I covered when he played Juju with at Long Beach Poly. My bad. Yeah, he was uh, Saint Bonaventure. Yeah, um, there you go. But I think I filmed eight of his throws at a summer workout, and there was five interceptions. Like, do you remember that? Like, was, I do. Yes. And I tried to like Rough. space them out so they didn't like. You know, I tried. I tried to make it look bad for him, but you don't want to like not show the interception because yeah. whatever the defender is, that's a that's their play of their summer. You know. Yeah. But it didn't take long to people figure out like, wow, Sam's really good, and uh, yeah, I mean, all the scout team guys are like, this guy, this scout team quarterback is pretty good. Yeah, he's pretty pretty good. Pretty so. good. Yep. Uh, which unfortunately for Max Brown didn't bode well because you know, yeah we don't have to relive the no, there's <laughs> the, all the weird drama the drama but there's always quarterback drama of course there, there could be some so that's why I watch the quarterbacks because there's always potential drama so I want to be able to sure. say hey spring practice number three Jackson Dart threw a, a missile or whatever or Miller Moss just made this amazing play and then you could bring it up later yeah I well the thing is I the nice thing is I don't think you have to worry about quarterback drama this year Keenan Slovis no. is the guy. Scram Harrell's guy, you can have two quarterbacks come in and just develop, which I, usually USC doesn't develop their quarterbacks as as that the, the transition isn't as seamless as it usually is. So hey, I, I don't, don't want to jinx it. I yeah? got a question real quick for yeah, you. Go for it. You're Miller Moss or you're Jackson Dart yes. or whatever it is. Keaton Slovis talked about as being a Heisman, whatever. Everyone talks about he's the returning quarterback. In your mind, are you still trying to beat him out somehow? I feel like the classic sports competitor line is I'm always competing. I don't care if I'm going up against a Heisman contender. I'm always going to compete. So, yes, I guess so. I mean, if so they're going to be if disappointed, I, they find out they're not the starter. If I'm them. them, I'm trying to be QB too because look at what happened the last couple of years. If you're USC's second quarterback on the depth chart, you are getting playing time. So, <laughs> I mean, hopefully for, for Keaton's sake, that's not the case. But, I mean, stranger things have happened. Very likely you're going to be in the game if you're QB2. Yeah. So I guess that's the thing where you're. I'm going to compete to be the starter, but if not, QB2, and I'll be ready to play. And just think about it. If you're QB2, that means you're getting second team reps. You're getting more experience with guys that you potentially could lead later on on the road. You get your leadership skills kind of hammered out earlier. It, you're getting a leg up whether or not you think you are trying to get that QB2 spot. So yeah. I think I think that's important. Um, and I just thought it was funny. Keaton Slovis referred to Dart and Moss as those kids. <laughs> like, Keaton, you were a kid He's like too. 19, right? <laughs> Which I feel so old saying that. But yeah. no, You feel old. Yes. Jeez. I don't know what you feel like now. <laughs> Ancient maybe. I'm very, yeah. yeah, sorry. But uh, I was like, Keaton, you're still a baby. Like, why are you calling them kids? So, But he did say he's the older guy. And uh, he did air quotes when he said older. So I think she, it's a weird dynamic. Kelly just called me agent. 
That's tough. I had to troll you. I'm back in the office. Good. Yeah, I'm glad. Feeling I want you to troll sassy. Me. I troll you plenty. You, it's you true. Me. It's yeah. true. Okay, let's get to another question. It's from Mark Child. I haven't read this out loud, and it's a paragraph, so bear with me, everybody. Uh, he says, Ryan and Keeley, all of you are consistently in agreement that USC is the most talented team in the Pac-12. However, then website posts and articles say that our offensive line, six players of the 11 on the field, w- were ranked near or at the bottom of the 10% nationally in run blocking and in the middle of the pack nationally in pass protection. I suspect that if the same analysis was conducted on the defensive line, which are four of the 11 players on the field, the results would be the same. Talent is not an exclusive trait to the skill positions. The talent on both lines has not been in the top third of schools nationally for at least a decade, but your opinions continue to overlook this aspect of the sport. An example of this was the discussion of Alabama and USC trading coaches with your consensus opinion that USC with Saban staff would be the national ch- would be in the national championship discussion not a chance unless he brought his lineman with him give a great give me a great line and an average skill and i will be great skill with bad line nine out of ten mark child hey mark thanks for the the okay so you're confusing a couple of concepts you're confusing performance with talent usc has had those four and five star guys on both lines if you look at usc's lineman last year i mean there's a ton of dudes that were you know jay tufeli was a five-star guy Mar- marlon to Pelotu. Brandon Peel, like these guys are, you know, Drake Jackson. They're they're guys that were ranked extremely high out of high school. They were similar to the guys that Alabama would get, but they were they were underperforming. So you can't look at performance and and say, oh, see, there's not a very talented offensive line. There wasn't a very talented team. I mean, it wasn't very the, the performance of the team wasn't very good. Um, I mean, all those comeback wins. Losing okay, losing to Oregon, who lost to Cal and lost to Oregon State, that's inexcusable. You had more talent than Oregon. The lines included, like not. I mean, Oregon replaced their entire offensive line last year, yeah. so it wasn't Mark about USC didn't have a talented offensive line. USC had an offensive line that performed poorly, despite having a first round draft pick two years ago and last year and this year. There's talent but they didn't perform well. So to me, Mark, it's more about coaching. Saban staff would come in. I'm not saying they're going to compete for a national championship, but they would win the PAC 12 and they would be in the discussion or whatever. So yeah, to me, that's don't look at performance and say, well, they're not talented because they perform well. You could do that throughout the team, not just the lines. Development, development versus pure talent. And I think that's kind of the difference. Yeah. Uh, We have one final question. Okay. And it's from Bay area Trojan who says, Keelan Ryan, on one of your last podcasts, you discussed Matt Fink leaving the team. This is unfortunate because he's obviously our most experienced scholarship quarterback. Losing him means we will be moving forward without that insurance policy at the number two spot. As a fan, I felt more comfortable knowing that if, Sle- if Slovis went out with an injury, uh, that we would have a veteran available to run the offense in his absence. For the sake of my question, let's assume that Mohassan is medically unavailable. That being said, who do you think wins the backup role behind Slovis between Moss and Dart? Slovis, talented though he may be talented though he may be within the air raid offense has hasn't demonstrated that he's all that mobile i don't think opposing defenses view him as a dual threat for that reason i really hope dart is as good as his ranking would indicate and he's the one to find himself as the heir apparent it's been a long while since usc has had a heisman caliber qb under center and i'm hoping under center and i'm hoping between the two four-star freshmen we just brought in one can restore sc's reputation for turning out top tier quarterbacks i'm interested interested in getting your thoughts on this fight on bay trojan before you go ryan so Go ahead. At pro day, Keaton took one snap 
under center, quote unquote under center, because it was just a, a ball boy handling it to him. And I got multiple questions. Keely, Keely, I saw it. Keen took a snap from under center. <laughs> what does this mean? Does this mean that this will be influenced? I was like, oh, here we go. We're it's back. Pro day. Football is back, people. We're talking about under center. Yeah. So that's it. That's the snarky comment I wanted to make. Well, Clay McGuire talked about going under center more. So I think yes. that's going to happen. But yes. it's not because Keaton Slovis took one snap <laughs> one under center snap at pro day. Pro day. From a, you know, manager or whatever. Yeah, student manager handing him the ball. Yeah. Simulating under center. Don't read into that. You know, and there was, I guess, a new NFL rule they were allowing. They yeah. could allow a few underclassmen to, to participate. So mm -hmm. he got that opportunity. Certainly, he's going to help him. Yeah, people he said are, it was a no-brainer. People are watching him as much as they're watching some of the other of guys. Because you're, if you're a scout, you're not just scouting for now. The decisions for this draft, a lot of them have been made. They're looking for years out. So you get the chance to see a potential top five pick or something, whatever Slovis ends up being. Yeah. yeah you're going to how nice to get that experience, get the nerves out, know what it's like to do it before people are actually really grading you on it. So it's a great opportunity for him. Yeah. And as far as veterans go, yeah, Matt Fink was a veteran. He had a lot of experience. Mo Hassan does too. I mean, he started Syracuse, went to a JC. Uh, I think he played a little bit his first year at Vanderbilt. He had one start. Yeah. Um, in his second year, they beat a ranked SEC team in his only start. So number of things like Missouri, um, maybe Missouri should have been ranked, but they were cause in the SEC, <laughs> he has a win against a ranked SEC opponent under his belt, you know, put that up with Matt Fink's, you know, coming off the bench win against Utah, yellow ball, yellow ball. Um, so if you need that insurance policy, I think you're fine. With Mo Hassan, you know, we, we're going to watch him a little bit more. I think Chris said he looked the most physical, you know, of, of the quarterbacks. Um, it's too early to tell, I think, with the two with Moss and Dart. Like, I think we're it's just going to take some time to kind of see uh, what they look like. I think, you know, one way, one day, one kid's going to get the third team reps and the other day, another one will. And they're going to make some good plays. They'll make some bonehead plays, whatever. I mean, it's just. We'll watch and see, yeah. but th that's definitely something you're going to want to um, pay attention to. And we already saw Graham Harrell have an affinity for Keen Slovis fairly early, right? Yeah. When he named Slovis the number two guy, we we're all like, what you talking about, Willis? You know, like, we're <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that gleam in his eye when he talked about Slovis. Right. So when we ask him about Jackson Dart or Miller Moss, is he going to get that gleam in his eye? Or a little more of a gleam for one of them or the other. And if gleam that happens, watch, 2021. Yeah. What is Graham Harrell? Now, unfortunately, when we interview him, he's usually in his car looking away. Like, so, so we can't really understand the gleam. It's pretty funny. So, like, we have, like, set, okay, set out, like, a month in advance uh, times to interview these guys. And Graham Harrell, now, I interviewed him one-on-one. -on -one. He apologized. He was cool. He gave me, like, 40 minutes in his car. But he was in his car. We get him on Tuesday. He's in his car again. I'm like, Graham, are you going to be in the office sometime? He, apparently he had an appointment, so we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I think he should invest in one of those little cell phone holders, though. He was hand-holding it while driving, and I was, was a little he? I was a little nervous. He was hand-holding? Oh, so I, I think. He had a holder. Allegedly. When I, you did with me, he definitely had a holder and stuff. Oh, okay. So I don't know. Maybe. But you're just... driving around L.A., and then every once in a while, it's going to cut out a little, or like it'll yeah. like 
kind of slow down and then speed up. Don't talk real fast, real quick. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there was one point where he was like, and the quarterbacks should be able to. And I was like, okay, we're assuming. All right. Yeah. Well, Keely's got to get out of here. Thank you for all the questions. Yes. Thank you for coming into. Of course. Uh, I didn't answer this question, but I think we have oh, to. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go no, ahead. no, you're totally fine. I don't care. Uh, I think we have to see Moss and Dart throw. I haven't yet, just due to pandemic and not being there yesterday. So we'll see. Yeah. I think if I had to guess, maybe Dart. You never know. Okay. That's we'll a total guess. I love the guess. Might as well guess. <laughs> sure. I'll guess Moss. Let's okay. There you go. Uh, maybe I should have gone to rant about our media experience going into practice. But I kind of want to let you know. I want to let the fans Thank know like, what's going on. It serves multiple purposes. Maybe no one cares. It's like kind of how the sausage is made. But Great. Uh, the fact that we haven't been, I haven't been to practice in over a year. So I was like excited. It was monumentous. You had to talk about it. We'll talk about it a little bit. All right. We were deliriously excited for this episode. So hopefully that's okay for everyone. But <laughs> nice. We were listening. excited. So hope, thank you guys for sticking with us. That is Keely Yor. I am Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show. And we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to The Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.